Hi, hello. Uh, my name's Edwin. It's been a while since I've actually said my name. Dorian's over here. If you've noticed, there's a new thumbnail. Yeah, I actually paid someone. Dorian, did, 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 you wouldn't know. I'm sending it to you right now. Look at it. This is Connor's well, Let's see. Oh, Connor makes good work. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, I, I feel like I have to explain it because I was very confused as to what the idea is. So this is, I guess, now the podcast lore. The idea is that is for some reason, it is the end of the world. The world has been destroyed. Um, it is just both of us punished. I am staring at a Shrek the Third poster because... Uh, Connor asked me, what is a poster of a movie that's memorable? I was like, I, I don't know. And then he asked me, I don't remember. I think he asked me something along the lines of, um, what is a movie that's important to you? And I was like, oh, Shrek the Third, because it reminded me that we're all just going to die someday. <laughs> um, so Shrek the Third, the poster's there. You're there. You're punished for some reason. I told him that if he wanted to, that... You know, he could grab that picture of you, but instead he's like, no, 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 no. It's just going to be a moose with a an eye patch. And I said, oh, OK, sure. God. So it is the two of us discussing what we've watched at the end of the world. Uh, one request that I had for him is that the poster that's behind me, I asked him if he could make that poster the Metal Gear Solid movie. Because I like the implication that when the Metal Gear Solid movie hits theaters, that was when we knew that it was going to be the end of the world. Yeah, it's, it's destroyed too. Like it only only the chunk of the ME up there. I don't know. It's very. Uh, there's a lot going on in this, man. It's uh, it's deep. Yeah, deep. no, no. I I I swear that it was. I mean, I know it is. I know that uh, he was like, oh, Automata, City Ruins. Like it, it, it's all over this. Which, yeah, you know what? I get it. I understand. But yeah, I get. I guess that's. I think that that's lore now. It's just the two of us in a bunker. Hey, what old DVDs did you see that weren't taken out by the EMPs? In in true passive pixels, uh, my my first thought looking at it was the Last of Us background, not not near Automata. So. Actually, that to be fair, to be fair, that actually kind of works perfectly, don't you think? Like that's that's passive yeah. pixels right there. Like it's actually yeah. even better artwork than we imagined. Yeah, no shit. It's it's perfect for the show. That's that's all I can say. It's mm -hmm. it's what the show needs. Uh, totally. Okay. So yeah, that's th th there. It is. Hooray! Will I at some point finally bother someone for music? Maybe. I don't know, man. Just list. I don't know where else to go from here. Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Across the Spider Verse. Mission Impossible Three. The Idol. A Series of Unfortunate Events, Liza P. Demo, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, BoJack Horseman Season 3, a little bit of 4, and Demon Souls. Dorian, give me your list. Okay. Uh, we have Mystery Game, which I'll announce shortly. Uh, Robotics Note Elite, Amori, Grand Theft Auto 3, Tales of Our Eyes, The Twilight Zone, The Boogeyman, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood, the discovery mute, the Mirowitz stories, new and selected adventures in babysitting, the night house, slumdog millionaire and queen and slim. All right. So it is up to you. Do you want to hit mystery game now? Or do you want to save that to the end? Either way, I'm okay with it. No, let's do it now. Let's get this shit out of the way. Let's, right. let's do my, let's do my apology tour right now. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, so my mystery game that I've been playing uh, is, in fact, Mr. Breath of the Wild. 
Mr. Breath by... of the Wild, the actual proper name, <laughs> of course. Yes, Mr. Breath of the Wild. Uh, created by Hideo Mario Fujibayashi uh, over at Nintendo, of course. I basically replayed it uh, for... We have this hate cast thing planned eventually one day. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, Look, it's still happening. The problem is, is that for some reason, I decided to choose Happiness and chose Demon Souls over by... Uh, well, eh, no, I mean, I could still play Last of Us 2 during this. It's just, you know, streaming and oh yeah, boy, yeah. that's going to be a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyways, the point is, uh, I was going to replay The Last of Us 1 and 2, which I have done, and then play Breath of the Wild because Ed sent it to me. And then he was going to replay uh, The Last of Us Part 2. Ed won, which he already did. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to really go from here. Breath of the Wild, I still I mean, have... It's a lot It's it's a lot of words that you need to eat, so take your time. Pace yourself, grab yeah, some water. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you uh, I think you said it on the last episode, you know, maybe you just stop making definitive statements. And I'm like, nah, it's not fun. But this is unfortunately, <laughs> this is unfortunately the, the situation it puts you in. Look, here's the thing. Breath of the wild is, it still have a lot of issues uh, with the game. It's not perfect. Um, I, like I, I made a list actually here. Let me pull up my review. One, one second, one second. We'll be able to edit this properly. So you can edit all this bullshit out. Well, actually, you know what? I, I can fill in. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I've just still been playing it. I still love the exploration. I still love all the stupid shenanigans that I can invent. Uh, I love putting rockets on Korok seeds and just seeing them fly to their direction. There was one time that I needed to get a Korok seed up somewhere. So I went up to the top of the mountain. I pushed down a tree. I attached the Korok onto the tree. And then I reversed the tree back up to the mountain. It's pretty sick. It's just... It's very hard to talk about Tears of the Kingdom because all I can do is just give it praise and not really talk about details, not because of spoilers, but just because I don't remember most of the stuff I do because I will play for like three hours and then just be like, wow, I accomplished nothing. I'm fulfilled. Yeah, I don't know, too. I found that talking about games specifically that I haven't finished yet either is more difficult. Once I finish the game, then I can kind of put a bow on it and give more in-depth thoughts, but... I'm kind of this game I'm not going to fucking finish. I'm not like I've specifically I started Demon to, Souls. To finish it one no, 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 no. You don't understand. I have slowed myself down on playing it because I don't want to finish it that quickly. And I'm close to what feels like my first ending, which is basically getting all the shrines that I can that I can. What I mean by that is that I'm like at 80 or 90 shrines and I haven't even done the first like story thing at all so like i'm just trying to push this as far as i can and i think i'm finally hitting the limits so it's like i'm probably gonna hit like 110 or 120 shrines before i do a story thing that's what i'm saying fair enough all right so you're just pulling a shade good to know oh i'm just fucking around so hard oh my god i love it uh which if you don't know shane lovely man he uh, refuses i don't know if he has at this point i still don't think he has but he has never finished the witcher 3 despite how much he loves it because he doesn't want it to end so oh no no i, I will tank. find it i will be i will finish this game i finished breath of the wild i'm going to finish this game the thing is is that i'm i'm making the timeline for when i beat this thing so fucking long because like I, I just want this to last. I still do have issues with it, uh, and it's really the same ones, honestly, that I've always had with it. Uh, some of them more enhanced, and some of them less so. Like for instance, the breakable weapons still stink. 
I don't like it. They're not quite as bad as I remember from my first time through the game. Uh, I still hate it. Uh, the Divine Beasts in specific, uh, they're not also not. In fact, they were probably the most improved thing from what I remember. Uh, I still think it needed more uh, or either that or a couple of traditional dungeons mixed in there. Just four of them felt like not enough to me. But, you know, they were they were there. Uh, I'm present. But they did. They, they, I understand what they were going with it now. Um and then, you know, the, the thing that probably frustrated me most, most with the game was the stupid weather. I, I, I fucking hate the weather changes, and I understand it's, you know, it's raining, so find a different way to your destination. But I'm stubborn, so I would just sit there for five minutes and wait for the rain to pass. Oh, no, no, no. Um, what you do is that you would you would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, jump, slide, one, two, three three four five six seven eight nine jump slide like oh man yeah. like i that that just became an extra game for me yeah the sliding just that pisses me off so that, that that was honestly my biggest annoyance with the game um and then the memories specifically uh it's the, so the memories weren't something i really did the uh first time around when i played breath of the wild but how they implemented it is frustrating in a sense because i really liked what you got with the memories, like the lore bits, the story, the cutscenes, all that was really fucking good, actually. Uh, and so to see basically almost all, not all of it, but almost all of the story contained in these memories. I mean, it kind of uh, is, though. Like, it, like, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's very a much. character. Yeah. Hey, Link, how's it going? You're going to help me get into this divine beast. What? Wow, we're here now. Like, that, that's, that's yeah. the story well, outside I, I, of the memories. Well, and even that, it you'd basically when you met a new character, it would flash back to another memory. Just they weren't memories you had to go and find. Uh, yeah, so basically the entire story was contained there, which was frustrating because it's really good what was there, but just not enough of it for me. Uh, other than that, though, yeah, no, I actually came away really, really positive uh, on this game, and it might not sound like it with all the bitching I just did, but I, I am. I mean, you need to caveat it considering how long you <clears throat> fucking hated this game. No, for sure, for sure. And it's very... There's just something... There's there's something that once you finally kind of get into the groove of things, and you're going around, and you're just exploring shrines, and kind of... Climbing, like, every time before, like, I would climb up the... T- like, I would free a tower, climb up it, look for shrines, and just kind of fly over to shrines, and kind of just see what was along the way there you know it's just it's a very interesting gameplay loop it's fun the combat was better than i remember it although it's still not great by any means but it's fun i mean you just and, spam and flurry well. rush like that's all you do you spam flurry yeah. rush yeah it's fun uh the boss fights are interesting in the game i still enjoy them uh, and the final and the music's when it's there it's really great again i still wish there was a little bit more but there's a lot of really good music in the game uh, and specifically the final assault on I'm going to jump very quickly about the yeah, music sure. thing. Uh, sure. So Breath of the Wild, of course, is a land that hasn't been touched for basically a century. Everyone's kind of in their own little towns. They're not going outside of it. Uh, I feel like the music reflects that. But in that same vein, Tears of the Kingdom feels like it reflects that as well, in that the ambient music is more noticeable and kicks in more often than Breath of the Wild because, you know, you already finished all Breath of the Wild. You brought back a little bit of light to Hyrule. So I do like that it's intentional. Like, it's definitely intentional at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. It's You can tell it is. Um, the the assault on Ganon, or not Ganon, Hyrulean Castle, but Ganon's obviously taking it over, is really, I, I like it a lot. Uh, and, and definitely elevated 
the game for me a little bit at the end because I was probably sitting a little bit lower on the game in terms of overall score, but that ending segment really does go hard. Um, even though I, even though I forgot, it, it's really once you kind of if you if you do everything like you're supposed to and beat all the divine beasts, get a bunch of hearts, get get all your stamina, get everything you need. Uh, it's a lot easier to get to Ganon than I forgot than I remembered. Uh, like I, re- I really wanted to take my time and explore through Ganon's castle this time, but I kind of just fucked up and like was like using that boost jump and like, all right, I'll go this way, this way. And then like, I was at Ganon in like five minutes. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, in that same thing, in that same thing, you know how I told you that I feel like I'm getting close to my first ending. Um, yeah. So of course, you know, it's not, you know, it, it's a self-imposed ending. Uh, Cause like I want to fuck around as much as I can before I do what is, you know, considered the game proper. Um, I'm actually kind of thinking that, you know how, I mean, you're probably about to say that the end of the game, if you do everything in Breath of the Wild, is kind of a pushover, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, I am kind of considering that what is my first ending, I just skip all of the story things and I go fight Ganon at the hardest possible thing. But that's the thing. I, I have a whole bunch of hearts. I've done like, I I am strong enough that I'm pretty sure I could beat the game right now, having not done any of the fucking dungeons, have not d- done nothing in the story. I kind of want to see if I can do that as my first ending, d- beat it, and then just go back into the open world and pretend like I never did that. Like, besides just, I want to see what the actual difficulty is like if I don't do that. So it's it's weird man i just I, I i dig this game so much that i'm i'm triggering a false ending just so i can get even more out of this game yeah that's cool uh anyways i'm not gonna talk anymore about breath of the wild that's, that's it i'm done uh i don't care anymore i'm moving on uh good game all right uh tears of the kingdom this is just going to be a reoccurring segment for like the next year or so. So uh, kick up your feet, people. This one's just not going to leave anytime soon. Out of 10, whatever. I don't really know. Breath of the Wild. I like that game. That's a good video game out of 10. I don't know what else I can really say about that. Uh, we both did a topic from there. So yeah, I'll uh, just go again. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll just get rid of this quickly. Uh, the Twilight Zone. Uh, again, I have my own podcast. That's why I watched three episodes of The Twilight Zone. I actually want to watch more. It's a, it's a damn Which, good show. By the way, uh, he uh, An Hour to Kill. Good show. I listened to about 30 yes. or 40 minutes of it yesterday while I was washing dishes. That's a good show. Much better than this. Why aren't you fucking putting in more effort into this? Why? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, we both have this uh, shared misery. Uh, I feel like if, <laughs> I, I, I feel like if I brought that to Damon, Damon doesn't deserve that, man. DB, DB deserves love. Not, uh, not you know either. what? Yeah, actually. OK, never mind. Let's actually make this even worse now. Do you want you want to just talk about the, the thumbnail again? Yeah, just talk about the <laughs> thumbnail for two hours. All right, so Connor also gave me a banner for Twitter. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, God. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude fucking Connor. So Connor actually did the artwork for an hour to kill, too. And, like, I didn't realize he was going to give me everything, but he gave me, like, like, a hundred different thumbnail versions and shit like that. Like, so, like, I had, like, a YouTube version and, like, a uh, podcast version and Twitter version. Like, shout out Connor, man. Good guy. He gave me squares, he gave me circles, and yeah. he gave me a banner. And I was like, yeah, this is solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, Twilight Zone. So I talked about it there. You can listen to that if you want. But quickly, it was three episodes. It's a good life, uh, perchance to dream. And uh, 22 had Parrot on there from good old Backlog Brain Rot. 
Uh, it was a good time. It's a good time. So if you haven't checked out the Twilight Zone, classic show. Don't watch Jordan Peele's. Yeah, that's all I got to say. All right. Uh, Twilight Zone. <clears throat> Man, I'm, I'm just full uh, millennial on this one. I, I have not seen anything. I know just whatever memes sneak out. That, that's all I got. Should I watch it at some point? Yes. Will I? I have Paramount Plus, man. So never rule it out. But also you should probably rule it out. I'm probably never fucking getting to it. Oh, sorry. Out of 10. Out Your of 10. turn. Yeah. Oh, that, that, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like, a, I don't know, Twilight Zone out of 10. I'm not rating it. <laughs> all right. Uh, fuck it. We'll just bundle these two together. So Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, I watched that in theaters, but then also I watched Spider-Verse 1. I just forgot to write it down, but hey, I wrote it down. So we're just going to put both of them together here. Um, this is, l- Let me just go ahead and get to the immediate question, which is which one I prefer. I think I'm going to be insane and say I prefer Spider- uh, Spider-Verse 2, which I... <sighs> It's a fucking complicated one. I can't even properly explain it, but so Spider-Verse 2 is half of the story, which I I don't fucking understand how is it that the first half of a movie is something that I would take over Spider-Verse 1, and it wasn't until I rewatched the first Spider-Verse that I made that like almost definitive decision. I think what it is is that Spider-Verse 1 ends the movie with basically its peak animation. Like, at if you look at all of Spider-Verse, I would say that it really just starts going insane with the artwork, starting with the leap of faith and on until the actual end of the movie. Like, the entire Collider sequence and just how wacky they can get with the colors and designs. Like, they just really go for it at the end of the first Spider-Verse. And then Spider-Verse 2, literally from moment one, even just the credits for showing Sony and Pascal Pictures and Lord and Miller, like literally just showing all of that felt like it was more insane animation than anything that was in the first movie. So uh, I I don't know, man. It almost feels like Spider-Verse 1 almost feels restrained now after now having seen 2 that they just are way more confident to do anything that they want and just Spider-Verse 2 cost 100 million dollars and then go look at Elemental costing 200 million. I don't understand what the fuck they're cooking up over there at Sony Pictures Animation but Whoever is at that team right now, congrats. You fucking dethroned everyone else. You guys are the king of animation right now. Good job. Oh, my God. Um, The actual movie itself, like just beyond the question of which one do I prefer? Oh, man, that's. Oh, my God. I. I can't. I can't. I can't really go that many of the details because. You may give it a shot someday, maybe not in theaters, so I don't want to accidentally spoil anything, but this movie tackles Spider-Man from a different meta level than the original one, and it doesn't step on the same toes as the first one. It kind of does, if you really want to be an asshole about it, because both of them dance around the same subject, but Spider-Verse 2 tackles it directly. I'm just so excited about the next one, considering that this is half of a movie 
and they convinced me that half of this movie is something that I enjoy more than the entirety of a full movie that probably is like top 10 favorite animated movies for me of all time. So uh, it's so I feel like I've spoken about Spider-Verse 2 and said nothing in the last five minutes or so, but that's because I don't think I know how to properly put into words why I love this movie. All I know is that I was walking into this movie thinking, eh, I don't need the steelbook, but now I love this first part of a movie so much that I will just happily put both steelbooks next to each other. Like It is settled. I can't wait to watch this again. The Literally, the opening of this movie and how insane the animation goes, it just makes me think that you guys are at the top now. Please don't fuck up the sequel. Please. It would hurt me so badly if this next, if the third movie is bad, because with everything that the second one does, I can't remember any complaints that I have about it. Yeah, no, uh, I don't really have much positive things to say. <laughs> I, no, you like it. The thing is, is that you're just way cooler on it than everyone else. Which? No, I mean, this one. No, I don't like it. I what, don't you don't like, like it. I thought you were just colder no. than everyone else. Fuck you. Nah, uh, no, nah, I don't like it, man. God, it's, you're the worst. <laughs> Racism. It, Racism. He, no, here, here's the thing with Spider-Verse for me. Very, very, very good animation. Like, incredible animation. Uh, I just find the story incredibly cliche, and there's nothing. How? It's How? So, it's so cliche to me. What is cliche about it? <laughs> what is lit. it? It's literally a, oh, insert miles to Peter. Time for you to become your own man. Story again. And it's Spider Man. Actually, to be fair, be, the fact that you're complaining about this means that you might like Spider Verse too. With with prettier animation and like, fucking, I don't know, man. I I just don't like this movie. And I tried rewatching it uh, like a couple years ago, actually. Uh, just to see if I was missing anything, and uh, man, I don't think I'm missing anything here. I just don't like it. Unironically, your complaint means you might like two more. I, which is yeah, maybe weird. I, I'm not so gonna watch it weird. Years, but I'll, uh, no. I'll, I might try it eventually. The, oh, okay, just, just, just minor, tiny, tiny, tiny spoilers. Nothing too crazy. Um, your complaint about Spider Verse One is almost the crux of Spider Verse Two because. If you wanted to say what the villain is of the Spider-Verse, you know, two and three, the canon is the villain. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else. So your complaint tied into who the villain of Spider-Verse two is, uh, uh, it would be very, it'd be very interesting to see you watch Spider-Verse two, because I would wonder how you would take to that. Yeah, cool. Maybe one day, but uh, not in theaters. Also, uh, so my score of Spider-Verse 2 is uh, you're an animated, slightly comedic movie. So you doing the Abby twist uh, from Last of Us 2 is totally acceptable out of 10. <laughs> well, now I'm interested. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. There is a there is a Firefly Doctor moment in, in Spider-Verse 2. Stellar. Uh, yeah, maybe out of 10. Uh, all right. I'm gonna bundle. Hold on, two. hold on. Do you want to know what it is? Like, it's. Uh, I leave it up to you. Like everyone uh, here. It, no, no. No, nah, don't tell me. I, I already. I already have an inclination on what it is. And even if I, even if it isn't it, I don't want to know. So, 
it's so minor. It's so minor. It's like uh, it, rewatching Spider Verse One. I was like, ah, ah, that's a little. Uh, they will remember this icon to the top right, right there. Yeah, fair. I I just have a feeling like. Well, I, I'm just not gonna say anything. Well, I'll talk about it off off the show. Off the show. Oh, 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 oh why, why, why? Yeah, I'll, I'll, because I just want to ask you there. I don't, in case it is a spoiler. Oh, oh, okay. Actually, actually, no, no, no. We, we are happy with spoilers here. So, like, you know, you say that you ask, you, you count it down, ask the question, and I will determine whether if it's worth answering. All right, three, two, one. I'm assuming that this movie Gwen is more like the protagonist and and lead character here. My, my assumption yeah but that's not that's that's unrelated to what i'm saying fair okay whatever anyways we're good then i'll mm. i'll i'll watch it one day okay uh all right i'm gonna bundle two here just to get them out of the way quickly as well then because they're still currently playing and as i explained i don't really like diving that deep into games i haven't finished one of them is still robotics note elite the third game in the science fiction science fiction adventure series uh i'm very slow playing this like i said i would be uh, just be, I mean, for multiple reasons. A, a, it's like my third visual novel in a row, but also because I'm just playing it on Steam Deck and just kind of playing it on the side for an hour or two every night. So we're still grinding away at that, still enjoying it. Story's getting good. That's all I have to say about that. And then the second one is Tales of Arise. Tales of Arise, I am still, I actually just started, excuse me, uh, yesterday. I decided, uh, again, sh- sh- second Shane Shadow, you know, he doesn't listen to the show, but old chain okay he's a good boy uh he is a good boy uh he sent me this uh a while back because he <laughs> like a want year this... ago or so more yeah yeah he didn't want this weeb degeneracy in his house so he's like understandable here, here, here how do you take it so i took it um and i've just started about i played about five hours yesterday uh, i was kind of on the fence actually i only played like i played an hour at first i was like eh, this isn't really drawing me in so i kind of stopped did some other things then went back to it and played for a few more hours finished the prologue uh, I, I don't know. I, it's enjoy. I'm enjoying it. Uh, so I am going to keep going with it. I think the problem I'm having with it is the game's like 50 hours long. I think you can uh. 40, but it's gonna be like 40 to 50 hours generally. So I don't know how high I'm going to be on it. And that's a long time to play on something. I'm not super high on, but we'll see. I'm going to keep going for now. Uh, and if I do really just kind of start going through the motions, I might end up dropping it. But for now, it's enjoyable, really beautiful art style. Uh, gorgeous looking game. Uh, and I mean, it's a Tales game, so you kind of know what you're getting into. But yeah, uh, that's all I have to say on it for now, though, because I am currently, like I said, just starting it out. So, you know, when I finish it, I'll have more to say. All right. Uh, so, wait, yeah, so that was it. Uh, did you say you had two games or? Uh, th- that's two. Yeah, that's two. Uh, okay. Right. All right. Uh, Weep shit out of 10. I'm not fucking acknowledging that. Um, I guess we'll keep it rolling. Uh, Demon Souls. This is the last thing on the list, but if we're rolling on games that we're currently playing, Demon Souls, then. Uh, so, I okay, I just realized that taking this out of order, whatever, fuck it. We're bundling Lies of P demo here and Demon Souls together because one feeds into the other. So, the Lies of P demo came out, whoever knows, and time doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so I was playing that and I rather enjoyed myself. Uh, it is absolutely just knock off Bloodborne. But hey, Bloodborne may as well be inaccessible since it's like at 20 frames per second. Ignore the fact that I have a hack PS4 that has Bloodborne installed on it with a 60 FPS patch. Ignore that. OK, uh, anyways, uh, so I decided to try it. It is impressive that uh, Pinocchio Bloodborne is real. 
And not only is it real, it's actually not just competent, pretty fun. It's enjoyable. Um, so I keep wanting to tell you anytime that I see you talk about Liza P with people, Dorian, you should try it because it didn't feel that. Well, actually, no, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I remembered that you don't even like soul style like at all. Just just right no i'm not big on soul style but i will say I, i'm just morbidly curious morbidly curious to try this game because it's, it's fucking sexy pinocchio, pinocchio. so yeah yeah so I, I i honestly might try just for that because i think it's fucking hilarious <laughs> okay so you your curiosity will pull you through uh i don't i don't know like because me and souls were weird and then elden ring broke me through and then spoilers for later on i like demon souls so uh, it's very weird for me that is, is it just true for everyone? Because it seems like it's such a common thing where it's like, no souls, no souls, no souls. And then you find the one that you like. You're like, oh, well, that one broke through. Shit. Let me go revisit. It's like, oh, wait, I like this, too. Ah, ah. So I Liza P, it wasn't that difficult. Uh, of course, I don't know how true that is, considering that. I have experience now. It feels weird to be able to say that, like if I'm putting it on a resume. I have experience with a Souls game now. So playing through this, my thought process is like, oh, like I, I got through the first boss on the second try, and I was thinking, oh, that was, he was a little bit of a pushover. And then I just kept going, and I was still enjoying myself. So I, you know, you're already going to try it. There's no reason for me to be like, well, you stray, because like you already said you are. But uh, it's another one that I'll be interested how you feel about it. But yeah, no, Liza P demo was enjoyable. I stopped after the first boss because I was like, yeah, this is good. I will be interested to play this mayhaps on the fill pass. So uh, because I mean, that's going to be on there. Maybe I'll subscribe for a month and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, Liza P was way more enjoyable than I thought. Uh, the score that I'll give it is Sexy Pinocchio out of 10. Uh, so that kind of gave me that little itch for something Souls-ish. And I was thinking, okay, so like Bloodborne, I think I have to accept that I'm not going to be able to stream the whole thing. Because if I try to stream the whole thing, I'm just never going to beat it. So now what I think I'm going to do, like, is I'm just considering Bloodborne. I'm going to be playing that offline. I'm going to just try to get through it. But, but, I don't know why Demon Souls was calling out to me. It's right there. It's on PS5, fast loading. Something about it was calling me. And I decided to start it up. And in my one hour mark, like at the one hour mark that I, yesterday when I was playing it, I already progressed more than the three hours of my last attempt. And I started realizing, oh, I understand the language now. I understand souls. So just playing demon souls was like oh yeah i kind of understand this it soul demon souls feels like remedial souls lessons 101 so the fact that you know of course like it's literally the starting point for all of this so it very much felt like if you are someone who's coming in from the later souls games and go back to demon souls it's like if you were in calculus and then they put you in like fourth grade math like, that's what that feels like. But it's still enjoyable to see the roots of this. I'm actually kind of shocked that for a game that is, you know, designed to push your shit in, 
I'm kind of shocked that it's been a pleasant experience for me. You know, occasionally I will die and it requires me to run back and not get ganked on the way there. But I'm still enjoying myself. It's very weird that I'm getting such a chill vibe from Demon Souls, but I've been enjoying myself. So uh, I did the Tower Knight on first try. So like the first big major boss, I took him out and... Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep going. I'm enjoying myself. I will see at what point do I either A, get bored. No, 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 it's probably that. Either A, get bored, or B, I beat it, because I don't really think I'll drop it from getting filtered, because at least from asking other people who have played the Souls games, if I got through some ridiculous shit in Elden Ring, there probably shouldn't be anything in Demon Souls that filters me out hard because of difficulty. Maybe level design annoyances, but I don't know, man. I, I can get through that. So, yeah, no, no. Demon Souls, I'm enjoying that out of 10. I think we talked about... I, I, I definitely talked about uh, Demon Souls on the show before, briefly. Uh, but just to recap, I did try it not too long ago again. Um wanted to i don't know why i just was like fuck it let's put it in and try it um and i beat the first boss i got to the second boss and it's just the whole point the whole thing of demon souls uh when you when you, when you fight the boss you die and then it's the run back and it the run just back. It, and yeah. it just saps me it just kills me it just i have no i have no interest in doing that and i just i hate that about souls games and i've heard I had a couple of people tell me, well, Elden Ring's not like that. I'm like, all right, great. Oh, no, no. I can tell you right now. It is the the run in Demon Souls is okay. So like I am on the opposite ends right here where actually, no, no, hold on. I'm really kind of like on opposite ends and then Bloodborne's like dead center. But comparing these three, the beginning, middle and end point, the end point Elden Ring, the run back is fucking nothing compared to Demon Souls, like backwards. This, whenever your grandpa is like, ah, I walked to school 15 miles backwards <laughs> up a mountain using only my wrist, it's like, no, no, that's yeah. Demon Souls. That is Demon yeah. Souls. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I, and, I, and I do believe that. So that's just another, you know, good thing about Elden Ring eventually. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely need to check that out, uh, Elden Ring, at some point, because I think that would be something that I could deal with better. But Demon Souls was just, no, I'm just not we're, not. we're not doing that. So that's what ended up dropping it for me. But, you know, good fun bosses. Uh, honestly, it's very weird because, like, I'm so used to Elden Ring just giga fucking you with characters that have, like, it, there are bosses in Elden Ring that feel like they learned the entire moveset for every Street Fighter character and are just going to throw them all at you at once. It feels weird to go back to Demon's Souls where it feels like every character has maybe like two or three moves. Like it's th like it's it's remedial Souls Lessons 101 because like I'm learning these enemies very quickly. So it's it's very weird <laughs> to just go back to this and then know this game is giga punishing but also know that it's gonna take me like 10 seconds to learn what an enemy can do and then take them down because of it so yeah no, no, i will keep going i have nothing else to really mention yeah demon souls i'll keep going out of 10 perfect all right let's move on and talk about some horrible shit now uh oh, let's no. talk about the babysitter killer queen 
So this is the much anticipated sequel to the Babysitter. Oh, well, of course, of course, much anticipated. In, We've uh, all been waited with bated breath for this one. In 2020, directed by good old McGee himself. Uh, yeah, I I didn't love the first Babysitter movie, but it was fun. Like I was like, ah, this is a good time. Like I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I had a good time with it. It was short. It was inoffensive. So let's put the sequel on my watch list. Holy shit, though, this movie was so much worse in every single way it's just a terrible fucking movie uh i think like i don't even know where to start with this I, or I, you know i don't even want to go into that much detail it's just bad man uh samara samara weaving i really like her and she's in the first one quite a bit and she's barely in this one so that's probably a big part of it my hatred for it uh the the twist in the movie is so painfully obvious and stupid uh jenna ortega's here but she just doesn't do much and there's just so much weird humor in this. And I don't know. It just kind of limped along. It was really, it, it felt even more budget and it was boring. And uh, I just, I hated this fucking movie. So uh, I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Three out of 10. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm fine. Out of 10. Wait. Oh, we're going back and forth. Okay. No, sorry. When you said bad shit, my thought process was going to be that there was going to be more. Or is it just that? Oh, I mean, I, I, I can bundle more if you want. I have more bad shit. Okay. No, because. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more garbage if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, here actually, you know what? You need you know, you know, you know what? Let me get this out of here too, because this one really pisses me off even more. Somehow more. Uh let's talk about Mute. Mute oh, is the 2018 okay. movie, which is, if you didn't know, connected to Moon and in the Moon universe, which was also directed I hate by that Duncan it's just Jones. Moon. It's just Moon. The Moon universe. The that moon, sounds like a joke. The Moonverse. So, and, and what's even more frustrating, you look at this cast, Alexander Skaskard, Paul Rudd, Justin Theroux. Oh, man, I love these guys. Well, what could go wrong here? <sighs> Everything. I kid you not. There's And whatever, spoilers, I don't give a shit. There's one scene in this movie that's so fucking comical to me. Where And I mean, I, like, Paul, the, the, Paul Rudd's character, who's uh, Cactus Bill. Great name though, but Cactus Bill, he's all his tone is so all over the place. Like you can tell him and <laughs> Justin Thoreau's character, Duck Teddington, again, great name. What? <laughs> Cactus Bill and Duck Teddington have. Oh, hold this on, weird... the movie should have just been about them too. Just make the movies named that them. I agree, um, but yeah, so these two are they have this weird sort of. Gay, gay will they bang bromance going on which they don't spoiler but they have that kind of thing going on and they're both kind of bad guys but they both like are trying to appear as sympathetic throughout it but you kind of get weird vibes from the both of them but then you find out that justin Thoreau's character duck teddington is a pedophile because he's like setting up cameras in his office to like look at underage girls and then Paul Rudd's character is like, that's fucked up, bro. And like, it looks like he's going to kill him because like he, because like Justin throws character also spends a lot of time with his young daughter. Who's also a kid. So he's like, that's fucked up, bro. I'm going to like beat the shit out of you. And then like his character gets some news that he's been waiting for. He's like, oh, that's great. Let's go shopping. And then the, literally the next scene is them in a shopping mall shopping together where none of that ever happened. And it, it just that the movie is so bizarre. And but by the way, none of that has anything to do with the main plot. Uh, which is Alexander Skaskard trying to find his uh, find his missing girlfriend. 
uh, who's been abducted. The whole movie is just so fucking weird in tone. It's so all over the place and shockingly boring for what shouldn't be boring because it's like looks beautiful. Like uh, the world, I love the cyberpunk world and everything around them looks gorgeous, but everything is just so dull. And it's such a shame from such a creative movie as Moon. And, and the fact that, and in, in, in it'd be nice to be like, oh man, I can just ignore it. This doesn't take place in the same universe as Moon. But no, there's one scene. Have you seen Moon? I forget. Yes, I have. Okay. There's one scene that's in the middle of the movie where it's like, oh no, here's uh his here's the character from Moon. It's definitely Moon. Same situation. Moon, 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 same universe. So they really <laughs> hammer it home, and you can't avoid it at that point. So yeah, this movie's fucking horrible. I don't know what they were th- I don't know what he was thinking with this at all. Like this is just bad. Uh Duncan Jones after making moon has gone on to make source code, which yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal bump for sure, but I didn't enjoy it. It's yeah, not a bad it's movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, like, but then he it. made, but then he made Warcraft, which was fucking horrendous. Okay. Uh, hold on. That was a Chinese bag. Like I can't blame him for that one. True. Uh, and then mute, which is just garbage. Yeah. Those so, that one. So I don't know if there's anything, I don't even know if he's working on anything now or what his plan is, but I hope he bounces back, man, because it's such a shame. Moon is such a classic. I fucking love that movie. And to go from that to this is just ugh, terrible. All right. So we are going to need Duncan Jones to make his next movie very good, where I have the people I trust telling me that it's good, because right now he is just kind of like a non-factor to me, because uh, Mute... I'm never watching that uh, Warhammer. Nope, never mind. Whatever. One of the wars. Not watching that. Don't care. Uh, I liked Source Code. I liked Moon, but I don't really love either of them. So if you make something that is good, I might show up. But I have no strong feelings about you one way or another out of 10. Perfect. Uh, how many do you have left? Uh, I'm probably going to bundle both of the Mission Impossibles together. So one, two, three uh four damn I okay let four me left let me do a couple more because I've, I've i've got a, quite a few so Go for it. i'll bang some of these uh, netflix movies i watched out uh this is the discovery directed by charlie mcdowell starring jason siegel rooney mara robert redford and jesse plemons uh Ooh. i actually funny thing i added this to my watch list after before, excuse me, I watched Windfall because I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, let's add this other movie that this guy directed. Uh, Windfall was very mid, though. So if I had oh. watched if I had watched Windfall first uh, and then add this, I probably or I, I mean, I wouldn't have. I think I just forgot about that and then ended up watching this anyways. Um, or I just kept it on my list because I really am a simp for Rooney Mara. It might have been that, honestly. <laughs> Either way, uh, this movie was better. Uh, I don't think it's great still, but it was a solid film. It kind of reminds me of like a mid-tier episode of Black Mirror, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, it, it it's an interesting concept. And the concept is really great, but they just don't fully execute it. So here, here's the plot line for it. In the near future, due to a breakthrough scientific discovery by Dr. Thomas Harbour, there is now definitive proof of an afterlife. While countless people have chosen suicide to reset their existence, 
others try to decide what it all means. So that alone, I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting idea. It's a really cool premise. Like, we've discovered there's an afterlife, and now people are fucking killing themselves in droves because they want to get to the afterlife and escape their shitty existence here. That's a really cool idea. Um, Unfortunately, they don't do as much as I'd like with it. And then you get to the ending, and I think the ending is pretty cool. Like, it's a decent little twist that I didn't expect. Probably should have, but I didn't expect it. I just kind of wish the whole thing was more of a philosophical look at that, because I think if they kind of just looked at that idea in general and kind of took a leftover spin on it and were like, hey, let's just explore like what this means for humanity now, that would have been fucking great. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. They focused more on the mystery itself, and we kind of are where we are, but it was still solid and worth a watch. I didn't hate it. Uh, I don't know. This director's kind of, that's two movies now, though, where he isn't blowing me away, so... I doubt I'll seek anything more of his out in the future. Yeah, no, no. Um, that sounds like a cool premise. Waste of potential. Wake me up whenever they remake it out of 10. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and I'll throw one more in here then. Uh, this is another. Actually, no, this isn't a Netflix movie. This is a Disney Plus movie, but whatever. Uh, this is The Night House, directed in 2020 by David Bruckner, starring Rebecca Hall and Sarah yeah, Goldberg. I watch this one. Yeah, this one's not bad. Uh, it's he directed. He's also directed Hellraiser, which I watched on the last episode and enjoyed. Uh, and he did a movie called The Ritual, which I've heard mixed things about, but I kind of want to check that one out for myself. Um, Although, I don't know, maybe 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 we'll see when we get to there. But okay, The Nighthouse. Well, yes, talk to right. me about this one. I'm interested because, like, I saw the trailers however long ago when <laughs> it would have been relevant. And I always thought, I like the idea of dual things. Talk to me about this. How is this? Yeah, so this, this is a solid flick. Again, it's nothing too memorable. We're kind of in the same vein oh. here that, I again, I think it's a little bit of wasted potential. I really like the concept of it. I think it's a cool idea. Uh, and they just don't really fulfill on it. Uh, skipping. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, they kind of focus on the wrong things, I feel, here. Um, and to get into more than that is kind of spoilers. And they are kind of clever with some things. I don't know, though. At the end of the day, it just didn't hit as hard as it wanted for me. I, I do think it was solid. Like, I, I, it's, I, I think it could be worth a watch. Uh, maybe not for you, because I don't think you would like it that much. But for people that are just... I have of, so much less free time now. I'm not yeah. messing around with this shit. Give me so, give me a fucking banger I love, damn it. Yeah, no, not for you. But for somebody that just wants something like a decent thriller to put on in the background, I mean, you can definitely do worse than this. I was just left overall a little bit disappointed. Uh, I probably enjoyed Hellblade more than this, too. So, yeah, it's 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 okay. It, it, it's well made. Um, Just, again, I wish they did more with the concept. So, again, another three out of five for me. By the way, let's go back to the previous topic again. Okay, so, like, what goes on my list? are things that I felt like I watched enough time to talk about. So a lot of times since my wife is watching stuff, I'm paying attention sometimes, but I don't really count them. Uh, so you mentioned Jesse Plemons. It reminded me, my wife was watching Love and Death. Have you heard of this? Uh, love, Death, and, not Love, Death and Robots, right? No, no, no. Love and Death. No, I don't think so, no. Okay, so it's Jesse Plemons and Elizabeth Olsen? Nothing? No? No. 
Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, I just wanted to know how much I'd have to explain. So uh, there was this murder in Texas in like the 80s. It was a woman who was murdered and people thought it was it might have been a cult. And then they find out that it was a woman who killed her. This woman. So the woman who died, her husband, played by Jesse Plemons, was cheating on her with elizabeth olsen's character and uh the wife that was being cheated on tries to wait no no hold on i think that's spoilers but it can it's true crime but it's still like an actual crime that happened so it, it can you spoiler an actual murder that happened in the 80s what do you what do you think <laughs> i think so I, I mean if it's an actual murder i doubt it okay all right well anyways uh the the wife that died was attempting to murder the mistress. There you go. That feels like a better way to phrase it. Cause if I just say this woman, this is let's try to murder the mistress. The mistress wins and gets the upper hand and kills her. Uh, the show is basically about that story and the courtroom case. Um, just seeing Jesse Plemons again reminds me, man, this guy's such a good actor. And since we recently watched Mission Impossible 3, I was able to tell my wife about how the connection that people have for uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and how that's almost kind of transferred over to Jesse Plemons. And she was like, huh, yeah, no, I, I can kind of see it. I don't know. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. I'm just, I'm just, I just feel like mentioning that because I watched enough of it. The show was fine. Like I, I watched maybe like a total of three episodes out of seven. It was interesting enough. Uh, yeah, no, no. There's, there's. I don't even know why I brought this up. I think I just brought this up because you mentioned Jesse Plemons. Yeah, it's fair. No, it sounds interesting enough. Anyways. It, it's fine. It's it's fine. You don't really need to go out of your way to watch it. Uh, I, I guess since we're on this entire train of my wife was watching, but I'm not really paying attention. Uh, the White Lotus. Yeah, the White Lotus just sort of feels like, hey, let's get movie actors in for a season of TV. Hey, we're shooting in a very extravagant place, so come act with us for like a week. We'll give you a free trip or something. Uh, White Lotus is fine. It's fine. Like it's, it's just it feels like very filler TV. But you know, at least was this on your list? No, 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 okay, no, no. Okay. This this is still okay. my wife was watching, okay. and since I'm around, I like uh, so like no, this, this is the fifth, just, this I, is the white block. This is not even getting a timestamp. No, that's interesting. I've just heard very good things about this show, so it's interesting. Yeah, no, no, it, it's fine. Like it's an anthology series. Um, basically, the setup is that at the beginning of the season, someone is dead, and you are spending this rest of the time at a hotel called the white lotus uh learning about these people so whenever the person who was ever dead ends up dead you're like oh that's what happened so it's fine it's considering what shows would be considered filler on netflix or disney plus the fact that this feels like hbo filler like hbo filler is better because like at least i'm not offended by this i'm watching it it's properly shot it's got interesting locales. It's got some actors doing some acting. Like it's it's solid. It's fine. But like I'm never gonna go out of my way to watch this. Like these are shows that I would drop two episodes in because I wouldn't feel like I was enjoying it enough. But I, you know, they're not. They're inoffensive. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no. I'm not, again. This is again a timestamp. This is literally just sure. Why not mention it? <laughs> well, I, I'm done. So you can move on to whatever you want. Now, okay. 
Mission Impossible 3 and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So I have complaints about Mission Impossible 3. Mission Impossible 3? Solid little movie. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Just the man is so subdued, but he's also really fucking menacing. And I kind of love that. Um, I don't like. Okay, at least between both Ghost Protocol and 3, I don't like how they handle Ethan being married. I don't really want to see Tom Cruise married in the suburbs in Mission Impossible 3. I kind of don't want to think of him as a real person. I just kind of want to think of him as like some insane bat out of hell that is constantly just wanting to kill himself for the audience's amusement. And something about making him like a grounded human being, I kind of don't like it. I also don't like the energy that giving him a life adds to it because... Uh, spoilers whatever it's not really important but i whatever spoilers um at some point his wife is threatened in this and they lead you to believe that she was killed listen uh, does she end up killed i don't know i'm not gonna mention that part but anyways even just broaching the subject feels way darker than what Mission Impossible should be. So that actually really bothered me. Uh, Ghost Protocol. Uh, okay, look, this this honestly feels like it's just, I don't know, man. Ghost Protocol feels like it should have been like another soft reboot, even though 3 was also a soft reboot. But like you could have gotten clean away. They still include his wife and... It also still feels dark whenever she gets brought up. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? Can you just please stop bringing her up? This is Mission Impossible. Just let's have fun. I don't want to think about the fact that Ethan might have his wife die. So, look, sorry if that was a little spoilery. Hey, maybe she's maybe she actually does die in the third one. And then there's another wife that he has in the fourth one. Maybe they made the same mistake twice. I don't know. Shut up. Um, so those are my complaints. But... Mission Impossible 3, still a solid little movie. It feels very much subdued compared to the first two because the first Mission Impossible movie is just a straight-up spy, thriller, gritty Brian De Palma. It's what it is, and it makes sense as what it is. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 is John Woo at the ass, and that is exactly what that movie is. Mission Impossible 3 just, I don't know, man. J.J. Abrams doesn't really have kind of a style to himself. He always feels like a very high-end gun for hire that you choose as a director. And Mission Impossible 3 just kind of lacks some personality from the director because of that. It's a solid little movie. I've Honestly, it might be my least favorite one. Uh, out of the four and I think it might continue to be my least favorite one because like two isn't good two isn't good but it's memorable I don't know if I'll remember anything about three besides my complaints about the wife and Philip Seymour Hoffman and probably the unbroken scene of Tom Cruise running down an alleyway for like a minute straight and you're just like man I could never um so yeah Mission Impossible 3 solid little movie probably my least favorite uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is probably my favorite, though. Um, you can absolutely feel, like, uh, uh, comparing J.J. Abrams and how I don't really feel him as a director in Mission Impossible 3, 
Brad Bird is an animated director through and fucking through because the fucking physical acting, the actual physical comedy in the very beginning of Ghost Protocol was giving me life. Like, I loved it. And you can absolutely tell that Brad Bird has worked in animation before because he is getting, like, these bigger movements out of everyone on camera. It's just a lovely time. And then, of course, this is the beginning of the Tom Cruise tries to kill himself on camera uh, part of Mission Impossible. And everything that has been said about the Burj Khalifa scene is just, just all of that. All of that, all of the praise, all seeing just how fucking insane it is. All of that, there's nothing I really want to add extra to that because there's nothing I could add to it that would encompass just how fucking cool that is. Um, Ghost Protocol, the only thing I can say as a complaint is that the movie after that can't match the energy of seeing Tom Cruise hang off the largest building on planet Earth. So that's it, but it's it never the movie never gets bad. It's still very enjoyable. It's just that you peaked a little bit too early and there's still like another 40 minutes left to go. But yeah, Ghost Protocol, great movie, great movie. I can't wait to keep watching these. Uh, They're probably going to slow down now because now that I realize that I still have like a wait, hold on. It's the 13th. No, never mind. I might not be able to slow down. Whatever. We're still excited to watch the next two out of 10. Yeah, I still really this is still a project for me. I I, <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but I do want to watch these. So, yeah, I, I, I have seen three. I, I remember almost nothing from it. And that was the last one I saw, I think, up until uh, the most recent one. Or, yeah, I think the most recent one. Follow. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, uh, you yeah. will walk out of that going, damn, that Philip Seymour Hoffman sure can act. Because that's yeah, what everyone like, says. Yeah, I do, I do like Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. So looking forward to that part of it for sure. All right. Uh, so your turn. Or how many do you still have? Because I, st- I still got quite a few. Yeah. I've okay. Got yeah. One, run, run, run. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got like nine left. Yeah. Uh, go, go, go. All right. Yeah. Let me let me bank some out here. Uh, where are we going to go now? We're going to go with the Boogeyman. <laughs> Directed in 2023 by Rob Savage. This is based off a Stephen King novel. Uh, Savage has done a couple of smaller horror movies, one called Host, which I've heard is really good, and then another one called Dashcam, which I heard isn't as good. Uh, Boogeyman was okay, though. I had a fun time with it. It's just basically about, like, a, a well, like what you would think a Boogeyman that appears at, at night no to kill to kill your kids. Yeah. Oh, hooray. Fun times. Yeah. It's exactly what you would expect on the 10 going into it. It's another flat-out 6 out of 10. It's just... It's solid, serviceable summer horror. Uh, I mean, the best part of it is probably here. Spoilers. If you don't want this, like skip ahead, I don't know, 15 seconds or so. But spoilers. Uh, the best part is probably in the first like 30 seconds of the movie when a baby gets murked. That's like hilarious. Okay, how, I mean, how, how? I need more details here. Oh, okay. Well, I only had 15 seconds of spoilers. Uh, okay, okay. Look, okay. I, I don't know. Okay. Fill in time. We're filling time. Has that been 15 seconds? Who the fuck? knows because we're not paying attention you're not paying attention hey look at that has it been 15 seconds give it another 15 seconds we're doing spoilers again how did the baby yeah. die yeah baby dies uh he's basically in his crib and you hear him crying and he's like oh and he's like kind of like wants his mother or whatever and then like the the, the creature comes out and just kind of looks at it you don't really see the creature shadows and just slashes the baby and kills it oh boo boo if you're gonna do that make it more entertaining boo Look, it's Merc, though. But anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a solid film. Uh, nothing to write home about, but 6 out of 10. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, never, never. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, fair. All right. Uh, let's do what are we going to do next? Let's do Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. Uh, this is by Mr. Richard Linklater, uh, of course, from the before trilogy fame. And uh, what else did he do? He did, School uh, of, of course, School of Rock, Dazed and Confused. Lots of good stuff. Uh, this is another solid film for me. Uh, I, I feel like I like this less than a lot of people, though. I, I don't know. I just didn't people really. Like it? No, it was, it was solid. I, 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 oh, would you, sorry? No, I said people like it. Yeah, no, it's generally got decent reviews and, and thought fairly high of. Uh, uh, wait, people talk highly about it. Okay, no, no, I thought that this one was just like, let's listen, man. Link later is one for you, one for me, and this one felt like a, a one for you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know really. It's, it's very, it feels very personal to him. Like it's about a ten-year-old growing up in 1969 Houston. Huh. Hmm. Just, I wonder who that could be. Yeah. Right. And just about. Oh, oh, oh hold on. I got it. It's about Wes Anderson. There we go. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. And about uh, dreaming go- of going to the moon. So it's it's very charming in that respect. Uh, it just wasn't super engaging to me all the time. But really nice animation. I like that, that uh, rotor- rotoscoping. rotoscoping. Yeah, I really like that animation style. So there, there, there's some stuff to like here for sure. Uh, but, you know, most, mostly just uh, I wouldn't watch it again. But uh, another six out of ten. We're, we're continuing on that train. If for one, I... I... All right, just going to cut that up. If for some reason I ever got enough free time where I decided, hey, Richard Linklater's filmography, I need to get rid of that. That's probably the only way that I'd watch this. Besides that, probably never getting to this out of 10. Fair enough. All right, let's do the Merowitz stories, new and selected. Uh, this was made in 2017 by Nolan Bombach, starring Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, and Dustin Hoffman. I had uh, no idea that Noah Bombach directed that. Okay, yes. that makes a little more sense. Yes, this is a Nolan Bombach film. Uh, I think it's actually the one of the first films. He, now, did you do it in collaboration with her? Okay, no. Technically, she didn't get a credit on it. But it's one of the first films he did after he got together with, uh, what's her name? Uh I mean, my mind goes to um, Sofia uh, Coppola, but that doesn't sound right. No, but, but Barbie director. Uh, oh, Greta Gerwig. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Thank you. It's one of the first films he did after getting together with Greta Gerwig. So I, I, she doesn't have any credits on here, but I'm sure her influence is here because it definitely felt like it to me. Uh, but yeah, this is a charming movie. Uh, it's just about a basically an estranged family that kind, kind of come together around this dad who's just a complete head case. He's an artist and he's just really he's out there, which is Dustin Hoffman, by the way, and played brilliantly by him. Uh, he's just a complete fucking head case and kind of crazy, but it, it's fun. They paint it off as very fun, but he gets sick and it's kind of the story of them, them all dealing with that and the aftermath and where it goes from there. Uh, it's really good. Very, very heartwarming, very charming. Uh, it makes you feel like part of this crazy family. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the heck out of it. Uh, it's not like it's, it's not as powerful for me or as moving as a marriage story was, which is the first, uh, and I think only other Bombach film I've seen. Yeah, it is. Or yeah, it is. So there's, I definitely want to see some other one of his, uh, I, I definitely prefer marriage story, but those are still really good. And again, you get a really, really great performance from Adam Sandler, who just shows that, you know, when he wants to, and you put him in a dramatic uh, role, he brings the heat every time. And he's just really great here. Uh, the opening scene with him and his daughter is probably the best scene in this movie, honestly. Uh, it's just really great. So 
Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take this chance uh, to mention uh, fucking Netflix. Uh, you finally killed password sharing. So if I want to watch this one, you are not getting a goddamn cent out of me. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. Fair. Who knows when I will get to it out of 10. Fair. Uh, how many do you have left? Sorry. Uh, one, two, three, three. I have three. Three. Okay. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. I'll keep going. Uh, we'll talk about adventures in babysitting next. This is a fun 80s flick. Really fun 80s flick, actually. Made in 1987, sorry, directed by Chris Columbus, who you might recognize from Harry Potter and Home Alone fame. Uh, starring Elizabeth Shue, who was also, of course, uh, in a lot of movies, but uh, in uh, Leaving Las Vegas and some other stuff. Uh, this is just, I mean, this is just pure prototypical 80s man like it just feels very 80s and everything it's a lot of fun uh my, my letterbox review for this specifically is the second best thor movie <laughs> it's because the little girl is obsessed with thor uh she's got the thor helmet and you even get an appearance from thor kind of later on in the movie uh so it's just it's fun stuff uh but it's really well made it's just about this babysitter that's Basically has to go help her friend and she's babysitting. So she's got to bring the kids with her and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. Uh, it's a little bit funny though, because she's supposed, my, my favorite part about this movie is she's supposed to be playing a 17 year old, which she definitely doesn't look 17, but you know, that's how it works in movies. Uh, she's playing a 17 year old and Keith, I believe it's Keith Coogan, I believe is the character. He's playing, a, I guess he's supposed to be 15, but he kind of looks older than 15. So they, they look close to the same age, but they're only like, they're supposed to be like two years apart in the movie. But like, that's like way too big an age gap. He's not allowed to have a crush on his babysitter. And like, he does have a crush on his babysitter, but of course she doesn't take it seriously. And the very end of the movie is him basically just getting cucked but it's supposed to be a happy ending which spoilers but uh it, it's fucking hilarious like he, he she basically like this random guy that she meets like through like uh, throughout the night ends up coming to like bring back some skates so like they're gonna like make out in the parking lot and the kid's just watching from atop before he slowly closes the curtains <laughs> and just like goddamn man cucked so hard <laughs> but yeah i found that hilarious but uh yeah no it's a fun movie i mean you, if you like 80 shit you can't go wrong with it Alright, uh, honestly, who knows? Maybe if for some reason I see it on a streaming service and I just go, sure, why not? Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to rule this out out of 10. Cool. Alright, continuing down the list, we've got A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is starring Tom Hanks, directed by Muriel, Muriel Heller, and of course, it's the story of Mr. Rogers. Kind of. Uh, it's a very interesting take on a biopic. And I do like it. It's basically because Mr. Everyone knows how inspirational Mr. Rogers was and how, what a nice guy he was and all the good things he did. I, I mean, it just endless his achievements. So what they did was instead kind of looked at a, the guy who wrote an article about him from Esquire, um, who's played by Matthew Rice, who I really like. He's a good actor. Uh, they they kind of take that angle and are like, OK, this guy's a piece of shit. And look how Mr. Rogers touched him. And it's an interesting way at it. I, it does make it so that, you know, Tom Hanks probably isn't in it as much as he should be, especially considering the movie's basically about him. Uh, but it's still really good, and it's an interesting and effective way of looking at it, in my opinion. Uh, Tom Hanks is perfect as Mr. Rogers. Every time he appears on screen, it's basically Mr. Rogers. It's it's uncanny 
It's very, very well done. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this as far as biopic goes. I thought it was pretty solid. It was an interesting premise and, uh, you could do worse. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'd be a fake person if I watched this one because I just have no touchstone with Mr. Rogers at all besides just sort of cultural diffusion of who Mr. Rogers is. So I don't know. It still will probably work for me. I'm pretty sure it's good enough movie that even if you have no association with him, you would still enjoy it. I don't know. That's still enough for me to think this is no priority on it whatsoever for me out of 10. Fair enough. All right, going to do one more here, and that is yeah. Queen and Slim, directed oh, yeah. by Melina Matsukas, directed in 2019, starring Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Jody Turner-Smith. Uh, basically, you've got a uh, African-American couple. They are going out on a date together. First date, just kind of a... And it's just a whatever date, like they explain in the movie, but there's obviously no chemistry there. Uh, and then shit goes wrong. Routine traffic stop bad stuff happens and they're on the run it's a good movie it's really good actually uh, i enjoyed this one and it's i watched it yesterday and sitting with it i've been enjoying it more honestly a little bit it's definitely kind of gone up in my mind uh very it's a powerful message um if it is i won't say it's cliche because it's it's definitely it's very from the start it's very understandable where this movie's gonna go and the message it's gonna try to tell I don't think that's a bad thing, though, because it is an important message and they do it in an entertaining way, if that makes sense. So while it is cliche, kind of, and it is very, yes, you know where this is going to go, it's entertaining and they do it well. And, you know, there's heart behind it. So I enjoyed the film. I thought it was good. I don't think it was great, but and it does have its issues for me. But I think from what's here, it's uh, it's solid, if not a little bit. A bit scatterbrained sometimes. It's two hours and ten minutes. Probably could have been tightened up a bit because I think there was some stuff that uh, that just didn't need to be in there. But uh, no, overall, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, it was a Moki recommendation, so a solid one. I uh, wouldn't have uh, watched this ever if he didn't mention it. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Good movie. So cliche, I don't think is an insult. It feels more like a descriptor because that's the thing. I always come back to the town. The town is as cliche as it gets, but it's also done so well that you kind of don't care. So if Queen and Slim has cliche written over it, but it's still done well, then whatever. So, you know, Queen and Slim, I think this is one that if I had movie pass or if I had a list, I would have gone to go watch this in theaters now, at this point, I don't know if anything will ever get me to watch it on streaming uh, in that same vein. Uh, I'm actually going to be signing up for a list uh, for July, August and September. So there might be some more weird movies in theaters that I get to watch and add to this list. So, yeah, no, in that same vein, Queensland, you would have been perfect for uh, Game Pass trash in theaters out of 10. Perfect. You're back to you. Okay, uh, let's see. The Idol, uh, it sucks. This is this show is bad. Um, God, who is the... Sam Levinson. Sam Levinson, yeah. Sam Levinson should probably just stop uh, because he has moments, uh, at least in Euphoria, they're like, oh, hey, this is good, but most of it kind of just enjoyable trash. Uh, season two of Euphoria, also trash. Uh, so far, The Idol, the from the first episode that I watched, yeah, no, this is garbage. Um, I don't even think it's entertaining garbage. It just sort of feels, that's the thing, exploitative, 
Yeah, but exploitative implies like there's like I feel like oh I can't believe I'm watching these people get exploited. It's just like no no no. You just wanted to see if you can get Johnny Depp's daughter to just keep showing her nipples, which exploitative like that. Whatever. I don't know. I just <laughs> it's very weird to say exploitative and not feel like I'm somehow disgusted by it. It's just like okay, you're definitely trying to take advantage, but okay, whatever. That's not really like. I'm not trying to moral grandstand, I guess. That's what it is. I'm trying not to moral grandstand when I say that it feels exploitative. But, but, here's the thing. The weekend isn't acting in this show at all. Like, he's not. It just sort of feels like The weekend was placed in this show. And they're like, okay, but your name isn't Abel now. It's whatever the fuck your name is in this one. And... Honestly, I'm just kind of entertained by seeing the weekend in the TV show that that's going to keep me going. But but not only that, I could swear he's done something with the soundtrack. I swear that he has to have some involvement in the music for this show because the music for the show is really fucking good. And just it's literally the weekend. It is literally the weekend on camera and off camera. That is the only reason I'm going to keep coming back. And if either one of those two things falls off for me, I'm done with this. But yeah, no, 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 like the idol is bad. <laughs> idol sucks. But the weekend is going to keep coming me back out of 10. Yeah, never, 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 never. Understandable. Never. Yes, understandable. Never. I, I will. I, I will say. I, I, it's I, the soundtrack I, on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. I do like Abel. I do like the weekend, but just never. He's so rapey. Like he's yeah. so. I've I've seen the clips. I've I've seen the clips. So. <laughs> but like no, like even in show, it's just like <sighs> oh my god, this guy is totally tied up. Women that didn't ask to be tied up. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, I, I'm, let's let's move on from rape and talk about uh, Ooh, why. Well, I mean, we could talk about guns, violence, and more things. Uh, in Grand, yeah, Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto Three, the 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 the, the genre a classic from Rockstar, uh, obviously made in 2001 by Rockstar. Uh, this was the first major Grand Theft Auto game, starring Mr. Claude himself. Uh, this game is interesting. So I, I bought the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Collection a little while back, um, when it was on sale last Black Friday, I believe, around there. <clears throat> and what I found, I hadn't had a chance to play yet, so I popped it in, installed it, started it up. Uh, honestly, I thought it looked pretty good visually. Uh, I don't know if they had patched some things, did some did some patches, because I had heard a lot of bad things about this release initially, but uh, during my playthrough. Didn't really run into many issues. I ran into one bug at one point, and that was it. So wasn't a lot of that. Uh, looked very clean visually. I ran it on uh, performance mode because I wanted, obviously, the 60 frames. Uh, but it ran great, so no issues there. Uh, the game itself, I mean, let's be honest. It's probably a lot of nostalgia for me. I think last episode we were talking about the piracy uh, uh, signs, if you remember that. Like, I think we had that conversation. And it... it we we were talking about how like I watched like one of the, oh oh it was uh, that stupid uh, Nikki Jake and he was talking about piracy so I was talking oh, yeah, about that how video. I, yeah. I downloaded signs on uh, on uh, yes. Morpheus right uh-huh. uh, well it, it's funny one of my first touchstones with Grand Theft Auto three was actually downloading this illegally <laughs> uh, and trying and trying to get it to work on my computer and I couldn't uh, it, oh, it would actually it, it would run for about like the first like ten minutes and would just hard freeze every time. And I don't think it was actually the illegal download. I just don't think my PC could run it. It was a piece of shit. 
<laughs> and obviously, grab honestly, the it's shocking that it even uh, like booted because I imagine that you were like fucking up like a Pentium compact yeah. computer that it was not meant for gaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was definitely not not supposed to be. But yeah, I, I still remember like you'd get that opening cutscene of him and Eight Ball, and he'd be like, "We got to go to the red light district where we can lay low." But my hands are all messed up, so you better drive. <laughs> you better drive, brother. And they would freeze there every time um so like that was like my big touchstone with it but i did eventually end up playing it like not too long after that and uh, had a lot of good memories with it and going back i mean there's there's issues with this game obviously obviously uh the level design is god right awful in some of these levels uh there's there's one level in particular where you have to kill these eight drug dealers in a certain amount of time and i think it's kind of rng where they show up sometimes like the first two always seem to appear at the same spot but then it would seem to be a little bit of RNG where they'd show up after that. And I just couldn't do it. Like I just, I was going as literally as fast as I can, but they were so spread out over the map that I'd get like maybe six done and I'd be fucking game over. So I, I ended up having to do it like 10 times before I could finally beat the fucking thing. It was so frustrating. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it wasn't terrible. I had a pretty good time with it. I mean, it's like I said, it's definitely the worst of the mainline GTA games, but what this did for the franchise just in general and for open world games and for gaming i think is just can't be overstated how massive this game was uh and for that reason alone i had a i had a good time with it i mean it's still gta 3 it's still ridiculous the classical music bops uh and some of the missions are still really fun to deal with like i, I did enjoy them so i had a good time with it yeah uh gta 3 Man, this is definitely one of my touchstones of my parents really didn't care what I did, did I? Uh, well, no. OK, no. Here's the thing. They kind of did because when they saw me playing it and they they just kind of went, hey, don't play that. And then I just kept playing it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, GTA 3. I love this game. I love this game. It was just so good as a child going in, just fucking around in the world. I don't know if I ever did anything story wise, but I I had so I have fond memories of GTA three. And even though I have the definitive trilogy thing, I don't know if I ever want to go back to it because I just want to leave GTA three in my memories as an important touchstone instead of having to go and revisit it as a piece of art or anything or like I just want my memory of it and the history of it. I don't want to go and update my thoughts on it just because like I didn't experience really Vice City San Andreas. I kind of know. I don't mind if I went back and tore that down. GTA three. I don't think there's anything for me to gain by going back to play it because I already know how I feel about it. And even if I go back and go, ah, the game, eh, eh, like it's not going to matter because the game changed so much that. We are not where we are in games without GTA 3. So even if I don't have enjoyment for it, I know damn sure at the time when I played it, I, it, it was the funnest thing I've ever tried. But I don't know why I'm willing to afford GTA 3 that, but maybe not other games. I, I don't know. It would have to give I'd have to have more time to figure out my thoughts with GTA 3 as opposed to other games that I'm totally willing to go back and tear down. But 
yeah, GTA 3, never going to play it again. It's just going to stay fond memories, and it's something that is an important thing to the medium. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I ended up with a 7 out of 10 on it. Uh, and by the way, the reason I went back to it specifically was I feel like it was unfinished business because I never did finish it. So I just oh, I no, wanted no. to I finish finished it. I did. I did. Yeah, I wanted to finish the story mode. Uh, in terms of GTA games, the only GTA games I've actually finished were Vice City, uh, four and five, but I never finished three or San Andreas. So I'm definitely going to, I'm going to replay Vice City anyways, cause I fucking love that game, but uh, I am going to finish San Andreas for the first time too. When I get to that. So exciting. Vice City is the only one I don't feel comfortable having said I finished because I know GTA three, like at some point when my brother was done with that game, I had it and I played it from beginning to end. Uh, Vice City he played some, like we didn't have separate save files like we were playing that game concurrently so he would do some missions i would do some missions and i don't think the other person would ever know uh by the way you want to know what's funny in this same vein modern warfare 2 i think my brother has first person shooter motion sickness so he can't really play them that much so i always thought that like like when I bought Modern Warfare 2 on PS3 all those years ago, like I played the campaign missions and like I did the entire thing and I was like, okay, cool, done. A couple of years later, I went and did a um a veteran playthrough and I realized there was like three or four missions I never realized I didn't play because apparently my brother had played some missions one day and I never knew. <laughs> So oh, in that's in that same vein, uh, GTA Vice City, I'm pretty sure there's a huge chunk of missions that he had played that I didn't. And but I'm pretty sure I was there for the ending. So I don't feel comfortable saying that I actually beat Vice City. I definitely did play it enough to be acquainted with it. So like GTA three absolutely beat San Andreas. Definitely a different save did beat that. Uh, GTA 4 beat GTA 5 beat uh, the DLCs uh, for four. The only one I haven't done is Lost and Damned. So there's only really two modern GTA things I haven't, you know, actually, you know, Lost and Damned is like completely untouched. So like that is the one I feel comfortable saying not done at all. Vice City familiar, but didn't beat everything else. I'm good. So, yeah, you know, Vice City, I will get to at some point, though. Yeah, I forgot about uh, Lost and Damned and Ballad of Gay Tony, but I've never done those either. So oh, Ballad of Gay Tony is dope. Like, it I've is actually yeah. the it has way more that San Andreas like wacky energy, which, you know, Vice City had as well. It's got the old PS2 GTA wackiness brought over. Uh, and that's in Ballad of Gay Tony. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to I'm going to replay GTA 4 on uh, Steam Deck when I get to that. Uh, and I'll do the DLCs, too, so. Yeah. Does so I think that was like a games with uh Windows Live or something like that. Yeah, I think they they pat they patched all that okay, shit good, out at this good. point. Yeah, it all works now. Okay. Um so yeah, Ed, do you have another thing? Because I think I, I got two. Like, I we're both at we're both at two. So Okay, all right. My yeah. actually no, I have no, I only have one more. Um oh, so okay. what, whatever, well, fuck I'll, it. I'll just throw it out. Right. Um a series of unfortunate events. So boot into Netflix to watch. Bo oh, we know. Hold on. I do have two things. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, boot into Netflix because I want to watch BoJack. I realize Netflix is killed password sharing. Fuck you. So I find out that my friend has um, the only existing physical copies of a series of unfortunate events and his totally legal copies. He let me borrow. Yeah. 
anyways, I wanted to watch a series on unfortunate events just because I felt like it. I am such a huge simp for the books that like I, I don't know if those books are good. I don't know, but they are absolutely one of the bedrock foundations for my sense of humor and just a lot of me that I'm pretty sure if I sat down and read the books, I would realize, oh, maybe this is why I like depressing things because fucking Lemony Snicket did this to me. Um, Netflix show, I decided to just put it on because I saw that it was there, so I felt like rewatching it, and... Again, it was still the beginning of the series, and considering that, like, I watched the, um, I watched the series of unfortunate events movie so many times that going through the first three books in the series reminds me so much of just watching the movie. So the first three books, rewatching those, I honestly should just skip those every single time now because. Even though they are way more complete and in line with the books compared to the movie, I almost feel way too been there, done that, that I I should just skip these every single time now. Um, But yeah, it's I don't know about this show. I don't know about this show because I'm so in the pocket for these books that I cannot objectively look at this show and tell you if it's good or not. All I know is that it is hitting the beats that I remember from the books. So that is never a bad thing. I was absolutely enjoying myself. The tone of the show feels exactly like what I remember from the books. And it's just such a great little adaption of my childhood that for the love of God, Netflix, besides my friend, can I have some physical copies of a series of unfortunate events, put it on Blu-ray, Please, I will pay you. That is the only way I will pay you now. It is physical copy because you'll catch me dead before I subscribe to your service again. Yeah, I uh... actually hold on. Hold on. Correction. Correction. Not again, because I've never subscribed to your service. So catch me dead before I ever subscribe to your service. There we go. First of all, yeah, I agree. Fuck Netflix. I think we can uh, can all agree on that. Absolutely. Uh, And I think where I, I you and I both have a very special uh, warm spot for Mr. Lemony Snicket and his books. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I love this series too. I think it's a great series. Uh, I, I watched it all. It took me a while actually to finish it all, but I did watch it all. And it was done really well. I thought faithfully to the books, um, which is great. The movie, I'm a little bit less cool on. I still like it though. It's still, still, you know, guilty pleasure of mine, but I don't think it's great. Uh, and is and it a books? guilty pleasure? Because, like, let's be honest, like, we love this abashedly. I have no guilt ashamed with this at all. Like, <laughs> I love this. I, I, I do a little bit more because I just don't think the movie's that good, honestly. Like, it's so crammed. It's so crammed. Wait, oh, you're talking about the movie. Oh, the okay, movie, yeah. the movie. No, yeah, the no, show, I, the show. No, no, both, both, uh, both in the same camp for me. Like, I love this <laughs> unabashedly. No, that's that's fair. And it, it's a great series. I, I do like this series. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, Netflix did a really good job with it. It was, it was well-made. They, they cast perfectly pretty much for everyone. Uh, and I'm sad it's done. I'm sad that, that, that's all done and over and gone. No, and... no, no, no. It's done. It's done. We got an actual ending. No, that's true. No, we're good. We're good. That's true. So we, we can move on, but yeah, great stuff. Uh, if you still do subscribe to Netflix or have a friend that also has the only physical copy in legal history, uh, check it out. <laughs> For sure. I will get you in contact with this friend, okay? I don't understand how he's able to ship these discs out so quickly. I just send it back to him. It's as fast as the internet gets to you and to your TV. That's how fast he ships these copies to you. Just wild, wild stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to get back to it. I ha- I honestly dropped off 
uh, with the last episode of the third book. Each book is two episodes. Um, I want to get back to it, but I kind of want to get through Bojack, which, you know what? Fuck it. Bojack is sneaking in here. Let's fucking go. Wait, I'm just going to get this wait, out wait, of the way. Wait, wait, before you go, I want to do my rating. I want to do my okay. rating for this because okay. it's a good one. Okay. Uh, my rating is that uh, Lemony Snicket autographed a book to me that I'm going to be a future orphan out of 10. <laughs> uh my score for this is going to be hmm, uh laughing at other people's misery had to come from somewhere out of 10 speaking of bojack horseman bojack horseman season three um i got to the episode that feels like it's the big turning point you've watched bojack right yes sir okay cool all right i will while, spoil but... it 15 30 seconds go ahead and skip forward so three i to Ooh, one. Uh, I was calling Sarah Lynn was dead the moment that episode showed up. And the fact that they actually killed her, I was like, oh, oh, boy, holy fuck. Um, so now I that. So the spoilers out of the way. Now we know what we're talking about. I want to keep it spoiler free from here. I will talk about the spoiler, though, like vaguely. Uh, this actually feels so much like finally definitively bojack might not be redeemable i kind of okay the fact that the show is about bojack and him being a sitcom star makes me think that this show just the driving force of this is like we're going to be a 20 to 30 minute sitcom animated style show but every choice we want to make is just the opposite that a sitcom would make and I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying this because I am starting to love that. It feels like it's decidedly wanting to make every episode end with maybe not the entire deck shuffled, but enough changes that it feels like after your 20 or 30 minutes that the, the world isn't going to be the same. And Watching the first episode of season four. So Bojack fucks off uh, at the end of season three. Spoilers, whatever. It's fine. Look, it, it's more important how that happened than that actual fact. Getting to the beginning of season four and Bojack not being there. Uh, when he comes back, like this shit is actually going to start popping off. Like it's I'm so impressed by bojack horseman of all shows that it's making me very invested into where these characters go it's actually kind of funny to me that most of the humor is totally animal based like are there written jokes sometimes yeah but most of the jokes are just visual gags that if you know what an animal is like if you know what that animal does you're gonna get the joke and i'm kind of getting into that vibe now where it almost feels like the comedy is just token like it's just like it's there but it's not really the focus and I'm really digging it. Like, I feel like for most shows that would be a knock where it's like, just cut out the comedy. It doesn't need to be here anymore, but I still really dig it because it feels like making the characters animals kind of softens the blow for how dark they really want to get. And they can still jump back and forth between lighter tones because again, it's still an animated show with talking animals so they can get away with it. So it's, Bojack Horseman feels like it is a show that is taking advantage of everything it means to be a 20 to 30 minute animated TV show. And it, I don't know, man. I, I'm just very happy to be watching it. Three more seasons. I kind of want to power through it as much as I 
can. I still say three seasons because I'm only one episode in, into season four. So like, did I write it down? No, because it feels almost fake to put season four currently. So yeah, no, Bojack, excited to keep going out of 10. Yeah, very good show. Very good show. I really want to get back to it one day. I still got that final season to watch. So I don't know, though. It kind of feels like I need a recap at this point. So either a recap or a rewatch or something. But yeah, great show. Nonetheless, just just great show. Uh, okay, uh, so that's it. You're done, right? Yeah, no, that's it. I've got I'm All right. good. So I got two things left here. We'll talk about the first one. That's Slumdog Millionaire, which mm-hmm. is, of course, directed by Danny Boyle of Trainspotting fame. Uh, and starring Dev Patel, one of his first roles, I think one of his first roles anyways, but uh, are obviously we both loved him in The Green Knight. And uh, I've heard he's really good in The Lion, too, but I haven't seen that one yet. Anyways, uh, so basically, Slumdog Millionaire, Jamal Malik is an impoverished Indian teen who becomes a con- contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But after he wins, he's suspected of cheating. This is such a great movie. Uh, it obviously won a bunch of Oscars, and I've never seen it. This is your first time, right? Yeah, first time. Yeah. Okay, I'm shocked. Okay, yeah, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, this is such a great movie. Uh, it just really, like, I understand why it won those Oscars now, and I thought it was just really well made, in my opinion. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, Dev Patel, just him, the, the way the kind of the story unfolds and the kind of twists and turns of it, I thought were really good. Um, it's certainly a little cliched, especially by the ending. But I, I don't know. I enjoyed the ride a lot. I thought it was just really tightly made. Uh, and they just kind of kept you guessing throughout the entire thing on what was going on specifically. And just the way it kind of unva- uh, unveils how he basically learned all of these answers from just life and just getting through these streets and and the hardship he had to endure to even get out of that situation out of being a slumdog, basically. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It was just really well, well done and well written. Um, and Dev Patel, of course, you know, we've, we've known him from these other roles now, but this is one of his first roles and he was really great here uh, as this, as this kid who's just basically, you know, trying, <laughs> tr- trying to, to, to find the girl he lost and save her too. So I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really great. Uh, I'd heard a lot of hype for it and it definitely lived up to it for me. All right. So this is a weird one for me because I okay, this one feels like almost like a early artifact for me of branching out and trying different movies. When this movie come out, like 2008, 2009, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, no, I caught this like uh, at the latest 2010. So it it's definitely one of those movies that was introducing me to the concept of Kino. And it's one that through revisiting, I actually kind of like less and less. And I think what it is, is that I think maybe I'm just too cynical now. (laughs) Um, But it's weird because I feel like there are some movies that if they did the same thing of boy pines for girl over years, I feel like nothing comes to mind right now. But I'm pretty sure there's some movie that would convince me, okay, yeah, sure, that was totally worthwhile. I almost feel like Slumdog Millionaire doesn't convince me that there's any reason he should have been chasing this girl for that long to even go and get, you know, onto Who Wants to Be a Millionaire to find her. I I don't know. I think I might just be too cynical now, or it ends up being me wanting to critique the movie for not convincing me that it was worth it. I don't really know where I stand on it. I kind of would need to watch other movies that I like with almost the same setup for me to figure out why is it that with Slumdog Millionaire that breaks it for me compared to any of the other movies that I would watch. But 
that's just a very personal complaint. Slumdog Millionaire is still a very good movie. Uh, okay, that would have been the 2009 Oscars, right? Yeah, 2009 Oscars is my my assumption. Okay, got it. So let me check what Best Picture nominees were because uh, when it comes to that year, 2008, I don't know what was nominated for Best Picture, so I almost want to see if it was worthwhile. Let's see. Slumdog Millionaire, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk and the Reader. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, sure. Give it. Yeah, okay, fine. Give it to Slumdog Millionaire. That's fine. I don't. <laughs> and I haven't seen any of those other. Well, no, I've seen Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but I'm not going to really go to bat for it. So, yeah, you know what? Slumdog Millionaire, fine. You deserve your win. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's good. It's good. But I feel like my main complaints are just the reason why I'm not as positive on it as everyone else. But again, I think it's a me problem, not a, a anyone else problem. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. That was a great movie. I went uh, eight out of ten on it. Okay, perfect. Uh, so yeah, is that everything? Nope. Yeah, one thing left. Oh, okay. Go uh, for it. Go for it. To cap off the episode. We're going to talk about Amori. This is made in 2020 by Amocat. It's a in- independent uh horror rpg with a child basically traversing uh, traversing this weird dreamlike world and then living out his real life as well on top of it uh this is an interesting game uh basically this is the the closest touch point of comparison to it is obviously earthbound and undertale which this gets compared to a lot and and i understand those comparisons and i make them myself but it is definitely a different beast than both both of those games. Um, Earthbound specifically is a lot more fun and fluffy. Uh, and Undertale, while it does tackle some darker themes, uh, it's certainly, again, outwardly a lot more... Um, I mean, it's hard to say fun and fluffy for that too, but it's, it's definitely a lot more lighter in tone. Uh, Amori takes that and goes really kind of dark with it and kind of, you know, focuses more on the narrative and the characters and what's going on with this boy named, uh, named Sunny. Uh, and this other version of himself named Amori and kind of dives deeper into that. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, and I, and I really like this game a lot and not quite as much as some people, like a lot of people I know, um, have, this as one of their favorite games of all time and that sort of thing. I don't think it's that good. There are issues with it, but I, I do think it's, it's really great. Uh, and it mostly achieves the narrative it's going for, uh, which is just very serious when games take on subject matter that's as serious as this game is you know a lot of times it doesn't always work out or they just a lot of games just don't do it they refuse to do it it's just too much it's too difficult to try for a lot of them uh and make it make it work but this game does a really great job at basically i don't want to spoil anything but explaining what's talking about basically mental illness and talking about what what secrets can do to you and that's all I'll say it without going deeper into that but there's a very interesting narrative that unfolds here and it really did keep me guessing to the very end and once you find out basically the tragic truth of all the events you know it kind of like it puts you in a mood for the rest of the day i was definitely like oh fuck after that it made me feel a little bit gross uh and that's a credit to the game because it's definitely depressing and i like that sort of shit so uh, it's definitely not going to be every cu- everybody's cup of tea. It's definitely uh, it's an RPG through and through, a, a turn-based, I don't want to say Japanese role-playing game because it's not Japanese at all, but it is a turn-based role-playing game. 
Um, they have this clever little emotion system that kind of goes with it that like you can make people happy, sad, or angry, and then it's a rock, paper, scissors to kind of exploit that. So because of that, the game's never very hard. There's a couple of battles that are a little bit like endurance based and can get a little grindy. Uh, but as long as you're fighting enemies along the way, it, it never really gets super difficult. I don't think I died once in the entire game. There's no difficulty levels. It's just the default one. Um, but yeah, I don't think I died once in the entire game. Uh, so it's definitely not the hardest game once you figure things out, but it's a fun gameplay system. And like I said, easy to exploit. So I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, if, if you're looking for like a really dark narrative driven game, that's depressing, then this might be for you. All right. Now this is going to be total swept subtweet land. Uh, this feels like, oh, Undertale is too popular. So I'm going to choose the contrarian point of view and play this instead. Let me go play Undertale first. I'll, I'll go ahead and play Undertale. If I am super fucking desperate, I'll play Amori. But uh, currently, no, absolutely. Not. Yeah, I, I still, I really like this game. I think it's good. Uh, I would still say Undertale is not only the better game to play first, but I still think I enjoy Undertale more overall. Undertale is just such a fucking tight experience, and it's so well made, and it's so unique in what it does with its gameplay. Uh, it's short too. Like this, Amori's long. Amori was like, I I play games pretty quick. This one still took me over twenty hours. Uh, so it's definitely mm-hmm. a long, beefier, independent game. Where Undertale, you can get that done in like I think you know six to eight hours. So it, it's a lot breezier of an experience. Um, and I and I think Amori is a little bit too long. Um, because the stuff I really liked in Amori was all kind of in the real world. And, you know, that stuff kind of takes somewhat of a backseat to the dream steep, which I get that's where like all the battles happen, all the funky stuff happens. But, you know, I kind of, there were times where I kind of found myself like, oh, I, you know, want to go back to the real world and advance the plot. Like that's what I'm really interested in. But still good game for sure. Really great game. Uh, If you're into that, you're into that. But uh, I I think Ed's got the right ticket there. You know, if you're, if you're only going to play one of these, I would still probably play Undertale first. Um, and then if you want something in that similar kind of wacky vein, uh, then you could check out Amori for sure. God, my Vita is really just one day going to get its day to shine. But for now, I buy another 3DS and play that at some point. It's in. Uh, all right. Yeah. Is that the episode? Yeah. Eight out of ten. That is it. I'm done. Perfect. I don't know what else to add. End card. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode from episode zero. To the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.